the four steps to heaven mantra is something I've developed, uh, sort of reverse engineered from my own experience of grace descending uh, for a couple of days, a couple of weeks ago. And it's a mantra that I've been using to go from a place of my peace being disturbed or being unconscious, upset. And then I use the mantra to take me step by step from unconsciousness to conscious presence and then from conscious presence to complete responsibility and non-victimhood and then from complete responsibility and non-victimhood to non-judgment, non-projection and seeing through appearances and then finally from seeing through appearances and non-judgment, non-projection to fearlessness and feeling and expressing only love. Um, in this guided practice, I'm going to take you through what each line of the mantra represents, what the associations with that line are, because fundamentally it's it's kind of a form of NLP or self-hypnosis, whereby what I'm going to help you do is link each line of the mantra to a basically a subconscious script or a subconscious trigger so that when you say the line of the mantra in your head silently it will trigger a state in your subconscious and that state will be those that I've described um, so what I need to do is to give you the associations that I have formed with those lines both from the teachings and my own experience and then it's up to you then to use the associations I give you and it will work best if you can relate both the teachings and my personal experience to your own personal experience because any experience you have that is similar to, to what I describe or similar to what's described in the teaching will be much more powerful for you because you can call up that experience in your subconscious and then together with your understanding of the teaching that I'm going to give you those two together will make a very powerful subconscious trigger so that the mantra will do its job you'll be able to say the line and then trigger the experience the one last thing I'll say before I go through it is that what the mantra actually does is it doesn't give you anything or add anything because as we know, uh, you're already enlightened, you're already a master, you're already one with God. That is your true nature, your true being, your true self. And when you don't experience that, when you experience suffering, loss, separation, judgment, guilt, fear, etc., it's because um, something is in the way of your true being. Those are Rumi's blocks to love. And the things that are in the way are the things that are removed by the four steps to heaven of the mantra. So the, the mantra is no ordinary moments, love my creation, nothing but angels, teach only love. No ordinary moments, the first step removes unconsciousness. In other words, you become consciously present. Love my creation removes victimhood. 
And so you move into a state of complete responsibility and flow. So you don't see things happening to you. You see things happening through you. Nothing but angels removes judgment and projection. So instead of seeing the people, the person or the people around you based on your projections and your ideas and your interpretations and your wounds and fear and pain and projection, you see them as they actually are, which is the same as you, divine, part of the one, your equals, your brothers and sisters, the Christ mind. And then finally, teach only love removes fear. Fear is the absence of love or the contraction away from love. So when there's that commitment to teach only love, that's a commitment to express, feel, experience only love with every breath, word, gesture, action. And when you make that commitment, what happens is that love fills you and any little pockets of fear, any little pockets of contraction or absence of love are filled and healed by love. In the same way that fear is the absence of love, darkness is the absence of light. And to get rid of darkness, you don't have to really struggle or fight. You just need to turn on the light. And darkness cannot exist in the light. And fear cannot exist in love. So you focus on teaching only love and that automatically removes fear and then from and, and in that state you are basically awake um, and it may only last a little while but it will be radically different from the where you started unconscious disturbed peace triggered upset etc and all you need to do then is enjoy that state for as long as it lasts at some point, the monkey mind will get back in, you'll fall back into unconsciousness and you may stay there for a whole day. <laughs> uh, there's no telling how long you'll be unconscious for. But as soon as you notice that you're unconscious, as soon as you notice that your peace is disturbed, you just start the mantra again. So it's a tool that you can use anytime, anywhere to return you to your true being. Okay. So no ordinary moments. That line is best uh, explained by the following passage from Lesson 3, The Power of Forgiveness. It begins in simple ways. To set the stage, I want you to remember that time has been given to you that you might use it constructively. This means that when you awaken in the morning, realise that you are in school. You do not have to drive anywhere. You're already there. The universe is literally helping you to assist you into having experiences that will bring things up for you so you can choose to look at them differently, thereby discovering the great power within you, the freedom within you to choose what you want to perceive and to elicit only what you want to feel, so that even if nails are being driven through the hands, you finally are liberated in the power to choose love, and therefore to overcome this world. Having said this, understand that each of your days is a blessing and a gift if you use it from the full commitment to awakening.
Your day is chock full of a million opportunities to discover a deeper truth. Therefore, never feel that the purpose of your life must be something other than what you're involved in. For remember what we spoke of earlier. You are literally creating everything you choose and nothing is forced upon you. Now we are going to take that thought just a little deeper for a moment. It literally means that if you have decided you want to awaken, you have already called to yourself every experience that can truly best serve your awakening. The friends, family and people you have relationships with are those who likewise can best gain from the experiences elicited through relationship with you. It means that right here and right now, you are already demonstrating the power you are seeking, the power to truly choose to awaken and to command the whole of creation to serve you in that awakening. Therefore, when you awaken in each of your mornings, look around. Who is that person sleeping next to you? They are your perfect companion. They are a messenger of God. For just behind your experiences, there is something deeper taking place. Because your mind is resting right next to the mind of God, when you first said as a soul, I want to awaken, I want to go home. The Father answered your prayer and began to send the thought through your spirit and through your soul to your conscious mind. I know how to direct you home. Give up this career and start that one. Move from this location to that location. You began to feel all manner of impulses. You began to read different books. You began to do different things. You met someone and fell in love. Or by accident? (laughs) Hardly. The very thought that you would claim as your own from which you have created the world of your own personal experience is also literally the result of your prayer to awaken. And the Father is creating, assisting you to create just those experiences as stepping stones that carry you from where you are to where God is. The result is that your ordinary daily life is the most perfect ashram you could ever be within. It is the holy city to which it is wise to make pilgrimage every day, which means to bring awareness and commitment to exactly what you are experiencing, to be thankful for it, to bless it, to embrace it, to be vigilant and to be mindful. What is this moment teaching me? Having given that as background and foundation, remember that you do not experience anything that is called an ordinary moment. In each and every moment, extraordinary things are occurring. Extraordinary things are occurring in which the whole of the universe is conspiring, which means to breathe together. The universe is conspiring with you to awaken you and to heal you. Trust it. Love it. That these things are true, and I assure you that they are, means that your life, the very life you are living, is equal in power and majesty and effectiveness to any life that has ever been lived.
It means that your very life is equal to the one that I lived, for it is bringing you home as my life was my pathway home to God. To build on what I shared earlier, the third axiom or principle could be encapsulated in this way. I do not live any ordinary moments. With each breath, my experiences are the stepping stones laid before me of God to guide me home. I will bring awareness to each moment and allow it to teach me how to forgive, how to embrace, how to love and therefore how to live fully. In your ordinary moments a thousand times each day, you will be confronted by opportunities to be disturbed. And in that very same moment, you are being given the blessing of the opportunity to choose peace. To remember to cultivate a perception of your brother or sister that is a perception birthed out of the Christ mind, not the egoic mind. So that section explains why there are no ordinary moments and you never live an ordinary moment. Because in each moment, because you have chosen to awaken, everything you've experienced since you chose to awaken is sent to you by by God through your soul as the perfect experience to bring up what needs to come up out of your unconsciousness, what wound needs to come up, what block needs to come up, what error of perception needs to come up, what misidentification with the objects of form needs to come up so that you can heal it and release it. Remember, you can't heal what you can't feel. The process of awakening is a process of healing. And the process of healing is having your wounds and blocks and pain and fear come up so you can bring witnessing, which is love. So you can bring love to your fear and pain, love to your wounds, love to your errors of perception. That is what healing is. And you don't know exactly what those wounds and blocks are. They're in your unconscious. They've been in there since you were a child. You don't know what they are, but God does. And so whatever you experience, regardless of whether you want it or not, or think it's good or not, or should be happening or not, it doesn't matter. You don't know how to heal. God knows how to help you heal. So if you learn that in each moment there is an opportunity to heal, an opportunity to learn what you need to see, remember or understand or let go of in order to heal and awaken, then you will realise there are no ordinary moments. And so as soon as you say to yourself, no ordinary moments, that's what you remember. Oh, yeah, there are no ordinary moments. This moment now is teaching me something. This moment now is a stepping stone from God to help me heal an awakening. And if you have that understanding and you feel that in your body, you will immediately become present and conscious because you will be looking to learn from the moment. You'll be looking to see what the gift from God is. And love my creation is also expressed in that term. The association you need for love my creation is also expressed in that chapter because that statement that 
Um, you'll be giving a blessing, an opportunity to choose peace. There's a line that says, understanding or recognising the great power within you to choose what you want to perceive and therefore to elicit what you want to feel. That is the power of mastery. That is the power of creation. That is the power of free will. That is the power that you have and everyone has. That is the power that God gave you. No matter what things appear to be, so if somebody's judging you, you can still choose to perceive them as your brother and sister. You can still choose to perceive what is happening as a gift from God, as just what you need to happen to bring up what you need to heal. And because you can choose to perceive them as giving you a gift instead of attacking you, you can also then elicit a state that you choose, a feeling that you choose. And that's what he means by you have the power to choose peace. But you can only choose peace or choose love when you decide how to perceive things. That is the power of mastery. That is the power of free will. It doesn't matter what happens. All events are neutral. It doesn't matter how it looks. It doesn't matter how your ego would perceive it. All that matters is how you choose to perceive it. And you can always choose to perceive the Christ in another. You can always choose to perceive the essence of another. And the essence of everybody is spirit. The essence of everybody is love. The essence of everybody is God. And if you choose to only see the truth of them, you can then respond by choosing peace. And you don't have to get disturbed. You don't have to be upset. You don't have to be hurt. And that is what love my creation means. It means I am going to decide that whatever happens to me, whatever is happening, whatever events are happening, are my creation. They're being brought to me by my soul and God helping me to heal and awaken. This is my choice, my awakening. I want this. And and that is non-victimhood. And then on top of recognizing that you're responsible for everything you experience, remember axiom number one, nothing I experience is caused by anything outside of me. I experience only the effects of my own choice. So if you remember axiom one, love my creation means, okay, this is my creation. I'm choosing this. I don't experience anything forced upon me. And I am going to love it. In other words, I'm going to accept it and be grateful that God is helping me to awaken, that my soul knows what it's doing and it's helping to me to awaken. That's what love my creation means. So when you say love my creation, it should invoke, okay, nothing's happening to me. This is my creation and my choice. And I am going to choose to love it. I'm going to choose to accept it, to be grateful for it, to learn from it. So those are the first two axioms. And once you say the first one, you become conscious. You say the second one, all victimhood disappears, all, uh, uh, all victimhood disappears, and you take full responsibility for your creation. The third axiom, nothing but angels. I'm going to tell you a story that happened to me from where I get nothing but angels. This is 20 years ago, but I've, I've used it for 20 years. And 
It is a way to what I call take your judgment head off. We make judgments about people constantly. Value judgments. Good, bad, better, worse, right, wrong. Tall, short, uh, attractive, unattractive, smart, stupid, rich, poor, arrogant, humble, etc. We're always making judgments. And as long as we're making judgments of others, we're actually judging ourselves and we're creating suffering from ourselves. Because when we judge ourselves, we're not loving ourselves and, and we're creating pain and suffering and misery in the future. So this path is about non-judgment. It's about seeing the innocence in ourselves first and then the innocence in others which comes naturally from seeing the innocence in ourselves. And nothing but angels is a way to do that. So I'll describe the experience. So 20 years ago, I'd recently got married. Uh, the marriage was a, a big struggle, a big drama, a big healing challenge. And my wife had gone to the Caribbean for a month to give us both a break. My sons had gone to stay with their mothers, so I was on my own. Somebody had given her a copy of the book Conversations with God by Neil Donald Walsh, highly recommended. I picked it up, started reading it. As soon as I started to read it, I thought, oh my God, <laughs> literally, no pun intended. This voice, this voice that is supposedly God, this is the God of my heart. This is what I've always understood. And this book is is saying it as I've always understood. And it was the opposite of what you're taught by the world. So I absolutely just dived in, just couldn't get enough of it. Read the whole book in a couple of hours. Picked up book two, which was also there. And about a third of the way through, uh, God says, I have given you nothing but miracles. In other words, describing no ordinary moments. Everything that happens to us is a gift, helping us to heal and awaken. Um, and then it says, then he says, she says, <laughs> God says, I have given, I have sent you. And then in the middle of the book, in black print, bold print, it said, nothing but angels. And as I read those words, I literally collapsed onto the floor, dropped the book and went into what I can only call rapture. And my heart started to open and expand or it felt like my heart started to open and expand. And I started to think of how much I loved people. And I thought, I love my sister. Oh, I love my brother. I love my sons. I love my parents. I love my friends. I love this. I love that. And I just literally started to expand. And I loved everyone, everyone in the world, everything in the world, every living being, every aspect of the earth. Then I expanded that to the sun and the moon and the planets and the whole galaxy and the whole universe. And by the end of it, it felt like my heart was the size of the universe. I cannot describe it other than... It was a massive heart opening that took me into a place of pure, um, pure love, pure love consciousness, pure unity consciousness, pure Christ consciousness. And I stayed in that place and had various visions for about an hour, came out of it, basically a changed man. At the time, I was managing director of an advertising agency. This was in early 2001. Uh, I'd read a couple of spiritual books, but I really wasn't spiritual. I was very materialist. But after this experience, I didn't care about money. I didn't care about material things. I didn't care about climbing the corporate ladder. All I cared about was discovering uh, the reality of love, I suppose. Um, and I had one question, 
I sat on the bed and I had one, I was in a state of innocence, in a state of grace. And I only had one question. And it was very, very simple because I'd fully accepted the truth that God had said, which is, I have sent you nothing but angels. So I, I totally accepted that as the truth. So my question was, I wonder what it looks like that there is nothing but angels. And to answer the question, I just got up, walked out of my house, out of my front door, just to see what nothing but angels look like. And I looked to my right and the first thing I saw, I lived at the bottom of Blackheath Hill in Lewisham in South East London. And the first thing I saw was about five or six uh, black youths in their mid-teens, mid to late teens, running down the road, carrying bats and sticks and pipes with murderous intent after a single white guy in his mid-twenties probably, who was running for his life just in front of them. And even though that, that's the scene objectively that I saw, subjectively what I saw was, ah, <laughs> oh, look at those beautiful angels running down the hill. I literally saw angels. And I don't mean with, you know, <laughs> wings and halos. I mean, like a baby, a newborn baby, perfect, innocent, beautiful children of God. And... Um, through no conscious volition of my own, I never had the thought to move at all. My body began to move and started walking towards where they were running towards. And uh, my next door neighbor, but one, the front garden, the guy who was being chased ran into that garden, front garden. And just after he ran in, I got there. And I went into the garden and just after that, they got there and they ran into the garden. So basically I had walked, positioned myself in between them. But as I say, there was no conscious volition on my part. I was literally puppeted to do this. So I was standing in front of them. For some reason they stopped. They could have easily just shoved me out of the way and carried on towards this guy. But for some reason they stopped. The ringleader, the biggest one, he was bigger than me. He was holding a pipe, stood right in front of me and right in my face or over my head was shouting and screaming at this other guy about something about his sister, that he was gonna do this to him because of what he did to his sister. Another guy had come out of the house and the two guys were standing on the stairs beside me, behind me. And the guy was standing right in front of me shouting and screaming, spittle coming out of his mouth. And I, I, I'll never forget it. I was standing right in front of him and I was literally looking at him like this. Oh, Google Gaga, you beautiful, you're so cute. That is exactly how I felt. I thought he was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen, the most cutest angel I'd ever seen. I absolutely took no notice of the fact that he was massive, holding a pipe, furious, threatening murder, and could easily smash me. None of that meant anything. All I could see was this beautiful angel. And again, through no volition of myself, I just kept saying, oh, you, this isn't you, bro. You don't want to do this. This isn't you. You don't want to do this. The words just came out of my mouth. And then all of us, that went on for a minute or so. And then all of a sudden, something happened, which really defines this experience as, as what it was, the, the lesson, the teaching. And what happened was, is that for a split second, the perception of him as an angel 
It was like shutters or blinds just chomp went across my eyes and that perception disappeared to be replaced by my normal perception of what was actually happening based on the appearances. And in that moment, I saw this massive guy standing in front of me holding a pipe that could easily smash my head. And I literally shit, not literally, but I shit myself. I flinched away because all I saw was the danger and the fear of being hit in the head by this pipe. I, I, I literally, ah, like that. And then just as soon as it had happened, the shutters opened again. And I lost my normal perception, which in that moment was a fear and judgment. And the perception of nothing but angels returned immediately. So I went from goo goo gaga to ah to goo goo gaga like that in a moment. And what that demonstrated was that everything depends on how you look at it, but more importantly, where you're looking from. The nothing but angels perception came from pure innocence. I absolutely innocently had complete faith and trust that it was true that God has sent me nothing but angels. And because of that, that's all I saw, angels. When for, for whatever reason that, that innocence was lost, I saw an angry other, an angry separate being who could damage and hurt me. And then it came back. So everything depends on where you're looking from. Are you looking with the eyes of love, the eyes of innocence, the eyes of God, the eyes of Christ or not? So I carried on saying, oh, this isn't you, bro. This isn't you, bro. And then I just said, um, again, nothing to do with me. I didn't mean to say this. I just said, you don't want to do this, bro. This isn't you. You know what will happen if the police, and I was going to say if the police come. But as soon as I said the word police, a massive siren just appeared Immediately I said that word, wow, 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 really loud. And the um, and everybody heard it, obviously. And the five or six lads that were there stopped and they made like prairie dogs. You know, those creatures in the desert that stand up on their hind legs and look around. They were like that for about a few seconds. And then choom, they just took off. They literally blazed up the hill and were gone in, you know, not 60 seconds, like three seconds. And uh, the guys behind me said, oh, thanks, mate, thanks. And I was like, nothing to do with me. And then we all looked across and it was a fire engine. It wasn't even a police car. So this whole experience was a, a, a literally a play put on by God to show me what I'm showing you, what I'm telling you now. Um, nothing but angels is the truth. And when we have faith that it's the truth, when we have faith that we're all perfect children of God, that there are nothing but angels, that every being is God in human form and that nobody is evil or bad. And when we lose our judgments of each other and see through appearances to the essence, the spirit behind the appearance and recognize we're all we all believe we are the body and the mind and the ego. And because of that belief in separation, we act in the ways that we do. We act in the painful, bad, negative ways that we do. But that doesn't mean we are that. We are not our ego. We are not our separate self. We're actually our unified self. We're actually our true self. And our job as, you know, practicing masters, <laughs> practicing Christ, our job 
is to see through appearances to the essence and the truth of people. And that's what nothing but angels means. And that also leads on to, and that's what I hope it invokes for you. If you've ever had an experience where you felt unconditional love for someone who was behaving in a way that you would normally not like or resist or get angry or upset at, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, and it also leads on to the fourth line of the mantra, teach only love, because when you recognize that all attack is a call for help, all attack is a call for love, when you recognize it's just God, it's just angels who don't know who they are. Everyone is a fallen angel. They've forgotten who they are and that is why they act the way they act. And what we can do, what our, 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 the greatest gift that we can give to others is to teach only love, is to express only love because love alone heals. So if you understand that the best thing you can do in any situation is first of all, love yourself, bring love to yourself, receive God's love to yourself. Because once you've done that, then you can love others. But if you don't love yourself, you can't love others and you can't bring peace. So the first goal is to remember who you really are and love yourself because you are love. That's what you are. God loves you. You are lovable, loving forever. You are love. And if you can recognize the love that you are, you can then teach only love and remove the fear from yourself so that you don't project fear onto others and you only express with every gesture, every word, you soften and relax and allow love to flow through you. And that is the only thing that can heal conflict and pain and fear and doubt and judgment. It's only the, the love of God flowing through you. And that is what I hope Teach Only Love will invoke in your subconscious. Bless you. I hope this is helpful. Practice whenever you remember. Do your best. It's not going to be perfect. It will take a while. But if you stick with the understandings that I've shared with you, if you relate them to your own experience, and remember it's a step-by-step -step process, First, you want to become conscious. Second, you want to let go of victimhood. Third, you want to let go of judgment and projection. And fourth, you want to let go of fear. Okay, God bless. Lots of love.